Good morning, everyone. Okay, before I forget, um, I want to begin with this because I'll get caught up in everything and there's no way that I'll remember. But I want to say thank you. Um, yeah, so thank you, first of all, to Micah and Amy. Um, we love you and your family uh, very much. Um, and, and I mean this, I'm not being silly. Uh, not even one little cell in my body uh, is being silly. Um, Micah Tuttle, uh, where you are the most obviously strengthened by God, like gifted by God, strengthened by God, um, where you're the strongest, I'm the weakest. And um, I will, um, if God permits and directs, um, attack the Jerichos of our day with you. And um, yeah, and that goes for all of us, by the way. Yeah, I mean it for Micah. Like, I mean it for Micah. Um, I will fight with you for the rest of my life um, Yeah, by sovereign leadership of God. And I would consider that such an honor. In fact, I'll go, do, I'll go help you with your job, <laughs> which is the weakest part of my Christian life. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'll go with you. And uh, I'm looking forward to the victories of God in our day. Yeah, and I do want to apply that to every person that would be that's around this circle, and then also anybody that will listen by tape. Um, what an honor it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to single people out because I'll start I'll start missing it. But I mean, I'll start missing things I want to say. But uh, yeah, I love the old guys too. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, um, thank you. Thank, thank you. Uh, thank God for the body of Christ and Lord help us to be good soldiers of Christ Jesus in our day. Um, I want to say thank you to the committee as well. Um, it's a gracious thing to invite, uh, me and my wife to come and, um, yeah, so thank you. And thank you to all of you that listened. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm very thankful and, and I'm humbled by the opportunity. So praise God. Okay, Exodus chapter 16, uh, we have a fair amount to cover by the grace of God, and so Lord help us this morning. Um, I'll pray here in just a bit, but um, yeah, Exodus chapter 16, and um, yeah, with the Lord's help, let's read this. And they journeyed from Elam, actually go back one verse if you would, then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Oh, that's beautiful. Hard not to stop and talk about that. For he hears your complaints against the Lord. But we, what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Verse 9. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. 
the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. Moses said, let no one leave any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. So it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until the morning. So they laid it up till morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given the Sabbath, Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron said, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it. Lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. The children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, the word of God. Um, Thank you for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And, and now we pray that this would be all the Saturday that you want it to be for the California Bible Conference for this year. Please give me help. You're a little uh, weak servant. Um, yeah, the Apostle Paul would, would say, uh, the grace of, by the grace of God I am what I am, yet his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God labored through me. Um, Lord, I need your grace this morning. This is a tremendous passage. Yeah, life-changing, worldview-shaping truths. Um, Lord, I, I believe with all my heart that both to the people around this circle and the people that will listen on tape, that you have so much to say from this passage this morning. I beg in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give us ears to hear and that we would be malleable, all in, that you could have thine own way, have thine own way with each of us. Yeah, please, 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 please. 
we are not yet glorified. We are not yet fully sanctified. We need you to work in us to will and to do according to your good pleasure. And so please have your way with us. We commit our time to you dependently, absolutely dependently in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. I have um, four points that I want to notice in the text this morning. Those points um, are maturing, murmuring, manna, and memorial. And so let's jump right in and we'll start with this, uh, this idea of maturing. So now let's, let's put it in our setting. I know I skipped ahead here, right? So yesterday we talked about slaughtered or drowned. Um, I'm skipping over chapter 15, which is both the song of Moses, like tremendous worship of God um, and declaration of who God is. And then I'm also like painfully skipping over the bitter waters made sweet. Um, bitterness is such a killer to the people of God. Um, it was super hard to skip over that, but I prayed and prayed about it. And then I, I knew the Lord's direction and I settled like this is the proper ending to the week in chapter 16. So would you please notice in verse 27, it says like they've come through the wilderness. They've come through the miraculous bitter waters made sweet. And then, then verse 27, so fifteen twenty-seven. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. So it's, it's very important that we put our, our story in its proper context. Uh, they're going to spend just over a month at Elam, where there are, are 12 wells of water, one well for every tribe of Israel. So abundant water, like the scripture says, the river of God is full of water. And if you know God, then you know that that's true, right? Like he is so like he's the fountain of living waters that you can never exhaust. Right. And so he brings them from the wilderness competing with the ravens. Yeah, the birds of the air snatched it away. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, they're, they're, um, oh, I totally distracted myself. Um, yeah, that's okay. Lord help. Um, okay. So there's abundant water. He takes them from the wilderness into a place of Elam, right? And we all like Elam. Um, I like Elam. Yeah. I want that to be super clear. Like, like lots of water, right? Lots of shade, like 70 palm trees, right? So he takes them from the wilderness. He lets them spend a a little over a month in this place of abundant water, abundant provision from God, a place of rest. You might think Yosemite, you know? Yeah, like we've had a week. For some of us, it's been just maybe just over a week by the time we leave. They had just over a month at, at Elam. And I actually think it's a pretty fair comparison, right? Like we, why, why do we like Yosemite? Anybody, quickly. Yeah, why did you enjoy this week? The saints, yeah. It's a place of fellowship, right? Place of rest. I, I don't mean to. Yeah. What else? God's creation. What was that? Sorry. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we won't take more time, but I do think it's a very fair um, comparison. Um, we all like Elam. Once upon a time, uh, it seems like a different life ago, but I used to go every other year to Ireland. And um, Mike Atwood and I were going to um, go for 21 days, and we had um, like a full schedule of ministry lined up for the two of us, and we were just going to go like, you know, like, like what Micaiah and I have done this week, but for 21 days, um, pretty intense. And so he was going to meet me in Ireland because he was flying to England, and then he was going to fly over to Ireland. We were going to have 21 days together. Um, and then and then go home. Um, so he went to England and one morning uh, he got up and he walked. Uh, his dad hadn't gotten up yet. And so he walked into his dad's bedroom and found his dad, uh, his dad deceased um, by the bed right next to the bed in the wall. And um, yeah, and uh, we used to pray and pray. Probably some of you did. Um, in fact, I'm sure some of you did. We used to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for the salvation of Mike's mother. Um, and then she went into eternity apart from a profession of Jesus Christ. And then we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for Mike's uh, widower father. 
And um, Mike, Mike would, would try to bring it up. And his dad finally said it very definitively. He said, Mike, you never speak to me about this again. And, um, and he went into eternity, right, apart from Christ. And um, so my dear friend, Mike, one that, like, I, we all love Mike, don't we? And um, so, so instead of coming to Ireland, um, he stayed to preach his, to his knowledge, unsaved father's funeral, and um, so he was doing that, taking care of his father's effects. And, um, and over in Ireland, like it almost doesn't matter in comparison, but over in Ireland, um, I took um, both of the ministry. Like I took his ministry and my ministry for 21 days. Yeah. And um, I don't remember, once upon a time, I knew how many messages that was. Like it doesn't matter. Um, but but um, Mike had to make all his, his changes, right, in his flights and everything. So... So um, at the end of 21 days, an elder <clears throat> was driving me to Dublin to fly home. And um, I was so tired, I felt like I was going to vomit. Um, and this is when I was young and healthy and strong. And I was just so tired, I felt like I was going to vomit on the way to the airport. Um, I got to the airport. I got my stuff checked in. I made it to my gate. I just kind of fell down into my seat. And I was so enjoying sitting there in my seat, right, just ready to go home when I heard uh, Delta Airlines say, Scott DeGroff, would you please approach the podium? Yeah, now some of you know what that means. Um, I went, yes, right? Like what that means is you're getting bumped up to first class. Yeah. And international first class is a gift from God. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then and so I stood up and as I stood up, I heard this. <laughs> Mike Atwood, you, would you please approach the podium? Um, I didn't know he was there. He didn't know I was there. Um, I kind of assumed that all his plans had changed and that, and that he would go home straight from England. Yeah, and, and yet um, we walk up to the, um, the podium together, and they said, here's your first-class tickets. And we said, thank you. And then we looked at them, and we were right next to each other in first class. And um, that's an example of Elam. Yeah. And like we all like Elam. Um, I mean, we actually laughed like like on the way home, like we sat and we talked and we cried and then and we prayed. And but we also laughed like here we are, just like Paul, <laughs> first class, like eating filet mignon and grilled asparagus, you know, all, all the way all the way home. Like if anybody ever suffered, it's us. And um, yeah, anyways, but but it was just so kind. It was so kind of the Lord. Um, yeah, so the Lord leads through the wilderness, and then the Lord also leads to places and experiences of Elam. Does that make sense? Yeah, so we all like Elam, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, if you make Elam your idol, that's a bad thing. Yeah, that is American Christianity. I want to live in Elam. I am unwilling for the Lord to lead me out of Elam into the wilderness, which is what we see in chapter 16. So they spend... They spend um, a month, just over a month in Elam, and then the Lord is going to gonna lead them out. So Elam is a place, right? Geographical location. Um, God is a person. Yeah. And what we must do is we must mature. I know that's one of my later points, but we must, um, we must mature to the point where we value the presence of God more than we do the comfort of Elam. Yeah. So my suggestion, and I mean this very literally, have you had a good week? Do we like Yosemite? Yeah. And do we like Yosemite Bible Conference? Yes, absolutely. So this is my, su my suggestion. And I mean this very literally. Let's take it home with us. Yeah. Like, let's not leave it. You know, let's go home with God. So we leave the physical geographical location, but what we go home with is infinitely more valuable, the presence of God. Yeah, it's infinitely more valuable than the physical location that is so pleasing. Yeah, so when God leads into the desert, we go there. When God leads to Elam, we go there. Um, I was thinking about this this morning, and I thought a greater than Yosemite is here, and we get to go home with them. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah, praise God that we get to go home with the greater than Yosemite. There are things to learn that you could never learn at Elam. 
If you refuse to let the Lord lead you out of Elam, there are things you will never learn. So as much as we thank God for Elam, places of 12 wells and 12 wells and 70 palm trees, right? As much as we value that, Moses had learned to to walk with God and speak to God as a man speaks to his friend face to face. He had learned that, right? And he he learned that that is of infinitely greater value than 70 palm trees and 12 wells. And so even with no water source, he's like, oh yeah, if the Lord is going, that's where I want to be. And he just right into the wilderness, right? Are you willing to follow God into the wilderness? Are you willing to follow God into the wilderness? Are you willing to follow God into the wilderness? That's what mature people are willing to do. Paul makes this argument in, in Philippians chapter 3. He said, he said, follow my example. This is how mature people think. Yeah, you can almost picture him saying that, right? Follow my example. Not everybody follows my example, Paul says in that chapter. What do they do? They set their mind on earthly things. Follow my example. This is how mature people think, says the Apostle Paul. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got the privilege of of spending time with Jesus Christ in a fiery furnace. That's where God led them because of their faithfulness to God. And you know what a good soldier of Christ Jesus does? A good soldier of Christ Jesus is just as happy with Jesus Christ in the fiery furnace as he, as he is enjoying the blessings of, of a comfortable life in Babylon, whichever the Lord leads him to. Yeah. Yeah, God help us. So, application. Embrace the wilderness as a time to be made like Christ. Yeah, embrace the leadership of God and commit today. Yes, it's an intellectual commitment. It's a response by faith to the word of God. Make the intellectual commitment today. I will follow you. I will not. I will not dishonor you by demanding that I live my life in Elam. I will follow you wherever you take me. You lead clearly. This is how I would pray. Make it so clear that a dummy like me can't mess it up. And I will follow you, right? I will follow you. So that's, that's kind of, that's what we're learning. Yeah. Um, it's funny, it's uncomfortable for me to say this, uh, but Paul, Paul said to Titus, he said, um, uh, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Um, yeah, the longer I go through the Christian life, I, like I used to find that easier when I was younger, like just fire away. Yeah, and I find it harder now, but so I want to not rebuke. If the Lord rebukes you, then praise God because he loves you. And if that's what's needed, then praise God. But I, I want to exhort based on the word of God and clear New Testament doctrine that we all know. I want to exhort the soldiers of Christ Jesus that are around this circle with all authority from the word of God. That's where our authority comes from. That's the sole authority that we have, right? So I want to exhort this. Don't make your life decisions based on Elam versus the wilderness. Thus saith the Lord. Don't decide where to live based on Elam versus the wilderness. No soldier enlisted in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please the one who enlisted him as soldier. Will you be a good soldier for Christ Jesus? Will you attack the harvest. Fight the good fight of faith and wage the good warfare. Will you be serious like Micaiah was talking to us about the other day? Or will you let the subtleties and the draws of Elam make your life decisions for you? Will you compromise? Yeah. I exhort you in the name of Jesus Christ. No. Yeah, Luke 14. Um, no one can be my disciple unless he forsakes all and follows me. Okay, point number two, murmuring. So point number one is maturing. They're going to leave Elam 
and they're going to learn lessons. Point number two is murmuring. Let's read it again, verse two and three. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. In my margin next to verse number three, I have written, ha. <laughs> like every time I read through that, I'm like, that is laughable, you know? Um, verse three, what did he say? The children of Israel, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat. That's revisionist history. When we ate bread to the full, right? You have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us. So murmurers are short. They have short memories. They are short-sighted and they have short faith. They have short memories, right? They remember, yeah, have you ever heard someone say, high school was the best time of my life? It's the same thing to me. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like I loved high school. I, I hope that this is clear. I loved it. But college was so much better than high school. And then by the end of college, I was ready to go on. And my 20s were greater than college. Right. And then our 30s were greater than our 20s and our 40s are greater than our 30s. My grandma used to say that every year gets better when you walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Like I cannot imagine looking back and saying, oh, if I I mean, I've heard people say this and I'm like, that is that is devastatingly sad. If I could only go back to high school. Right. Oh, what a, a crazy worldview. Yeah. I mean, what a sad worldview. Yeah. So murmurers, they have they have short um. They have a short memory. They said pots of meat, bread to the full. They forgot that they were ruled over by taskmasters, that they were in anguish, that they were in slavery, that a leader was murdering their kids. Like they didn't bring up any of that, right? And so revisionist selective memory characterizes murmurers. Yeah. And then short sight. You brought us out here to kill us. Now, death was a very real possibility, right? If you're only... If you've only grown to the point where you're looking this way and that way and you have not yet learned to abide with God and, and speak to him as a friend speaks to a friend face to face and to keep your eyes uh, seated, you know, on, or keep your eyes on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If you have not yet learned that, right, then death is a real possibility. Like you left the wells, you left the shade. You're back out into the wilderness. There's a, a, a life-threatening lack of water and food, right? And so their reaction isn't completely unfounded, but it's just immature. Yeah, and it's unfocused, right? So they murmur. So let me, let me say this. Um, times of a lack of resources reveal the true nature of your heart. What do you trust in? What are you living for? Times of lack reveal our hearts to us. And so we learn the lessons. The same way that they're going to be learning lessons, we learn lessons. Um, murmurers do not see what God can do. They just complain about their circumstances. Yeah. If you're a murmurer and the Holy Spirit of God reveals this to your heart today, oh, please, just say, hey, thank you, Lord, and say, would you please change my character so that I never murmur again? And maybe in the process of sanctification, if it needs to be a process instead of a moment, the Lord does both of those things in sanctification. Sometimes he'll go, boom, and you'll never swear again. I have a friend like that. United States Master Sergeant got saved. Boom, never swore again. His buddy, yeah, they were two of, or I, if I'm, I think I'm telling the story right. Um, his, I'll just leave the details out so I don't get them wrong. His buddy got saved at the same time, prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and yet continued to struggle swearing until the Lord dealt with the anger in his heart. And when the Lord dealt with the anger in his heart, then swearing just rolled away. Yeah. And so the Lord actually left the symptom of sin for him to struggle with so that he could deal with a much deeper issue. Does that make sense? Oh, if you're a murmurer, man, just say, Lord, thank you for showing me that. I don't want to dishonor you through murmuring anymore. 
um, would you please change me? Um, this this passage is super uh, it's it's super important, right? And it's super powerful. Um, all murmuring is against God. So you may think you're murmuring against Moses and Aaron. You may think you're murmuring like I haven't heard any murmuring, but you may think you're murmuring against the committee. Could they not come up with like two decent speakers? They got one. Yeah. Like, like that's an example. Yeah. I heard that 10 times this. No, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you might think you're murmuring against some authority, but but notice it in the text. Verse seven. In the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. Yeah. Would you highlight that? I mean, I, it's up to you. If you would like, highlight that <laughs> in your Bibles. But please note and please never forget all murmuring is against God. In verse 8 says the same thing. Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat in the evening, in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. I actually really hope the Lord sets some of you free. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I really hope the Lord sets some of you free. I would guess that some of you would go home and maybe without even thinking would just go right back to the habit of murmuring and complaining against authority in your life. If it's your husband, if it's the elders in the assembly, I mean, whatever, right? Yeah, Hebrews were murmurers. Man, I read my Bible sometimes and think I would be an excellent Hebrew. (laughs) Yeah, let the example, let the example shine on us. Um, God often delays his help. He tarries ere he comes long enough to bring us to the end of ourselves and to show the futility of looking to creature aid. Romans 8.32, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So faith believes in God. Short-sightedness looks this way and that. Immaturity looks this way and that. Yeah, and then murmurs, complains, right? And that's, that's what we see in the story. Okay, point number three is manna. Point number three in our outline is manna. Let's look at verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. That's awesome. We have a miraculous God. We have a generous God. We have a rich God. We have a caring God. We have a God of miracles. Yeah, praise God. I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them. Oh, that's important. So manna from heaven is going to fall down daily. Of course, um, before the Sabbath, he wants them to gather twice as much. Uh, there's, there's so much instruction here. When you are not to hoard resources, but you do hoard resources, manna is a resource, right? When you are not to hoard resources, but you do hoard resources, then it breeds worms and it stinks. Yeah, like when, when God wants you, just be happy with daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. But when the living God says, I want you to store up resources, like this happened once a week for them, right? In that case, the, the stored up resources under the commandment of God did not breed worms and stink. There's a great warning here. If you have resources and the living God taps you on the shoulder and he says, I want these resources to be used for my glory in this way, if you refuse, it will be eaten up by something else. The worms will eat it. It'll just be wasted. But the other possibility is that the Lord would want you to to store up. And if the Lord wants you to store up, if that's how he directs you, like 1 Timothy 5 and 6, there are instructions to rich Christians. Why? This is super deep theological truth. Why? Because there would be rich Christians. Like So if that's the Lord's leadership for you, right? then it's his direction. It doesn't breed worms and stink. Yeah, so, so instructive. Um, 
Yeah, I love this. Notice verse 7. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. What is the glory of the Lord in the passage? The manna, right? So it's his provision. His provision is his glory. Don't you love the stories where God miraculously provides? Yeah. It shows off his glory that we have a rich God, that we have a generous God, that we have a God who as important as he is and with all of the details that he has to remember, he still looks at little people like us and he knows the number of hairs on your head and he knows exactly what you need and he pays, he pays such close attention that he's able to in exactly the right moment provide exactly what you need. I mean, it so shows off the glory of God when he provides. Yeah. There's something else that I really want to encourage us in this morning. Um, if you want to be like God and be a giver, then I encourage you to tell God that today. Yeah, and I don't mean be self-willed in it. Like, Lord, would you please make my business now make $50 million next year um, so that I can give. I mean, don't be self-willed. But say, Lord, your character is that you're rich and that you're a giver. Um, I want to be a giver and reflect your glory. And so I pray that you would show me and help me like how to be a giver and multiply my ability to be a giver, to be like you. Yeah, I encourage that. We actually, we really have to teach the next generation to be New Testament, Holy Spirit directed warrior givers. There was a previous generation that they made life decisions so that they could be self-sacrificial givers. Yeah, and little by little, they've gone to be with the Lord. And boy, it's, it's our responsibility. Any, anybody that's a teacher, anybody that's a spiritual leader, it's our responsibility. The Apostle Paul considered it his responsibility to teach people about biblical giving. We must do that. In the morning, you will see my glory. Um, I think that there's an awful lot of stories around this circle about God's provision. God's provision of a friend, God's provision of an elder that we prayed for, God's provision of raising up workers to send out into the harvest, God's provision of finances. Like we could have a really good time if we built a campfire and and um, assuming it was just a bit cooler um, and and just said, let's just tell the stories of how our God has provided. Couldn't we? Yeah, I want to give you I want to give you one example um, back in the day. Uh, I had a series of teaching that I would give over and over and over. And I went around um, North America, Europe, and, and some in Africa. Um, and, and I would say in this series of teaching, I would say um, over and over and over and over again, I would refer to the woman in Luke 7 that poured that ointment out on Christ's feet. Um, of course, there's two accounts there. And, and, um, and I would refer to these accounts and then I would say that that ointment, it says that it's worth a year's salary. And um, where I came from, you know, Topeka, Kansas, at that time, the average annual salary was $40,000 a year. And so I said around three continents, I said, I never imagine in my lifetime, like I've made, we've made systematic decisions to never have money. Yeah. And we've been very successful. Yeah. And um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, so I said publicly, repeatedly, I never imagined in my lifetime having the privilege of doing what this woman did. You know, taking a, an ointment that's worth a year's salary and pouring it out on the feet of Christ. I said, I never, yeah, but my real point was this. I do have something that's more valuable than that. I have me, right? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And so I can give the Lord me, right? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. So that was my point. Over and over and over again, that was my point. Um, October 2016, the Lord uh, called, um, called Lynn and I. And um, I was sitting in Ontario, Canada, listening to ministry. And the Lord just heavily came upon me. And um, only time in my life that I can remember ever doing this, I just couldn't take it. It was halfway through the message. I looked at my friend, I went like this, and he gave me his keys to his Toyota Sienna minivan. And um, by the time I hit the chapel door, like I walked out in the middle of the message and by the time I hit the chapel door, um, I burst into tears. And um, as I was walking toward his minivan, I hit the side door and his side door opened and I crawled in. I hit the button again 
And then I just burst before the Lord and I said, and I said, um, how are we going to reach them? 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 And then I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And I knew in the presence of God that it was time to leave Topeka, Kansas. And, um, and then I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm such a dummy. If you leave me any room here, I'm going to mess this up and I'm going to rob you of glory. So would you please make it so clear that a dummy like me can't mess it up and then I will follow you. I commit in your presence, I will follow you. Wherever you lead, I will follow you. In the next 24 hours, he confirmed it like six or seven times. Um, I hadn't thought at that point to begin to write the confirmations down. I remember I was in Deuteronomy at the time, but that's all I remember. I don't remember the specific verses. I have the rest of the journey I have chronicled, um, but that part, I don't remember that detail. Um, and then sitting in, my, in, in his van, my friend's van, um, with no explanation other than Ephesians 6 and Jude says praying at all times in the spirit, right? Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, says Jude. With no explanation besides that, out of my mouth popped this little phrase, and I did write this down on my phone. It's still on my phone. Um, Lord, would you please sell my house? And I knew in the presence of God he would sell my house. And then um, I'm going to leave out all the details. Uh, December 10th, the Lord showed us the next step. And then a couple months later, the Lord showed us Freedom California. Um, there's a servant of God named Brady, or not Brady Collier, um, Grady Dollar uh, in Texas. They're both Texans. Yeah. Anyways, um, his son committed suicide. Yeah. And so Warren Henderson and I were driving down to love our brother and just be there. And um, I walked around the parking lot of the hotel that morning and I, I said, OK, Lord, this is about when. I mean, I said, OK, Lord, you showed me that you would sell my house. Um, do you want to sell my house like through me? Do you want to sell my house through me contacting a realtor? Like, how do you want to sell my house? And then I knew in the Lord's presence again that the Lord would um, that he would take care of it. I was like, OK. And then people started asking, like my elders in my assembly who I love and respect, they said, now what's your plan with your house? And I told them how the Lord had led. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they were like, okay. Like we've all known each other for 25 years, you know. And then people started calling my wife. And I kept telling her, babe, tell them to call me. <laughs> and nobody ever called me. They all called my wife. Like, what is your husband doing? Yeah. And um, yeah. Anyways, um, one more time I went to the Lord and I said, OK, Lord, um, this is when smart people would um, list their house with a realtor. We're going to go to California in not very long. And um, and the Lord showed me that day in prayer, um, I'll take care of it. Uh, here's your biblical confirmation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There's your leadership from me. There's your biblical confirmation. Now you obey. I said, okay, yes, Lord. So I asked a realtor. I told him I'm not listing it. But I said, I want a professional opinion. I'll pay you $100. Um, he, didn't, he wouldn't take it. But I said, what would you list my house for? And he said, 189000 I was like, okay. He said, you might list it for more and you might get that, but, but that's where I'd list it. I was like, okay. Two people heard we were going to California and so they contacted us at one point along the way. They came to see the house. And so they said, how much do you want? First one, I said 189,000. Um, and, and, uh, and he just, he never called back. A young couple came. They said, how much do you want? I said, 192,500. And I was thinking that, that if they negotiate, maybe we'd end up at 189,000. And um, anyways, so I was like, okay. You know, let me please say, I assumed that God would sell our house before we left for California. I assumed, right? We, we often add our assumptions to the leadership of God. Yeah, so I assumed he would glorify his name by, by doing that. Um, that's not what he did. We were driving to California, right? I had left the house. Um, the week that we were leaving, I said, okay, Lord, somebody's going to have to mow the lawn and clean the gutters. And right the next day, a brother in the assembly um, uh, he came and said, do you need somebody to mow the lawn, clean the gutters? So I said, yes. And 
And so I left it in his care. I said, I'll pay your sons to, to do this. He's like, okay. Anyway, so we're driving to California and a lady calls me on my cell phone. She said, I heard you're moving to California. I said, yeah, we're on our way physically driving right now. And uh, she said, okay. Um, she said, you have a house for sale? I was like, yep. And she said, tell me about it. So I said, okay, six bedrooms, uh, three living rooms, 3,300 square feet. Um, it's, in this, it's in this neighborhood. Um, yeah, we love it. We totally love the house. But, but the Lord is taking us to California. And so, and so she's like, okay, how much do you want? And I almost said it. I almost said it. And then, and then I think this is, I'm, I'm confident this is what Paul would call the constraint of the Holy Spirit. But, but I, I started to say it, and then I didn't. And I said, I've turned it over to the care of a young businessman in Topeka. She's like, okay, text me his number, and I'll contact him. Said, okay. So, so I, I texted her um, the number of a guy in the assembly named Joe, young businessman. And, uh, and just left it with the Lord, left it with them. Anyways, there's details that, that I'm going to leave out for sake of time. But the living God sold the house to that lady for, um, Joe did his own market study. He didn't, he didn't ask my realtor friend how much he would sell it for. And uh, he did his own market study based on the neighborhood. It was a nice neighborhood. And based on the square footage, right, rather than the style of the home, um, he said, uh, homes in this neighborhood go for this much per square foot. Um, this is how big the house is. And so he told her 229000 um, And long story short, that's what the house sold for. Um, now, those of you that are particularly good at math, um, what's the difference between 229000 and $189,000? Yeah, 40000 Yeah. And so I went to Lynn and I said, and I said, um, I'm only sharing this because it was one of the greatest privileges of our life. And it was only by the grace of God. And I'm encouraging you to pray, Lord, help us to be givers like you. Yeah. Would you make it possible for me to be a giver like you? That's what I'm encouraging you to pray based on the story. In the morning, you will see my glory. So I went to Lynn and I said, I'm not going to be in any hurry whatsoever. I'll pray with you as long as you want. I want the Lord to lead you to. Um, the Lord just plopped in our lap $40,000, right, that we didn't anticipate at all, right? I feel convinced um, what, what the Lord would have us do. Like, I think the Lord is being gracious to us and, and letting, by grace alone, allowing us to be like that woman in Luke chapter 7, right? I called two full-time workers and asked them, like, is it smart for a, for a worker moving to, a, like, a place that costs 10 times as much to buy a house, right? Is it smart for them to give away all their money? Um, and you know what they both, both said, basically? They said, I think it's really smart to obey God. And I was like, okay, yeah. So, so Lynn prayed about it, and she knew. I don't remember her process, but she was comfortable, and we knew exactly what the Lord wanted us to give to. We knew it was just a lump gift, right? All, all 40,000, and the Lord directed all of it, and so he actually created the money out of nowhere, like, I didn't work in a coal mine to earn that money. He created the money, and then he gave the privilege. You give it to my work in this way. Boom. Yeah. The Lord's provision from heaven is his glory. Yeah. Let's pray together that the Lord will glorify his name in this specific way through us. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our God provides. Um, oh, there's so much. Yeah. This passage is quoted in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It's not just my good idea that this would refer to financial giving. It's God's uh, Holy Spirit breathed out idea that this would refer to financial giving in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is the greatest text that we have on, or the most exhaustive, most expansive text that we have on financial giving in God's word. Um, Jesus Christ in John chapter six makes it super like crystal clear that that he is what manna points to as a picture. Right. So we feast on him. Um, yeah, we feast daily on him. We feast early in the morning on him. I mean, there's so there's so, so much. Let me let me say this. I mentioned under murmuring that a lack of resources was a test and it reveals our heart. Do you remember that? OK, so here. The abundance of resources is a test. Um, 
please, please, please notice verse four. Then or that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So the abundance of resources, like the resources that God gives to you, that is a test. A lack of resources reveals your heart. An abundance of resources reveals your heart. What do you live for? Will you be directed by God? Yeah. Point four is memorial. Um, Hopefully you know the story, but um, they took a little bit of manna as a testimony and they stored it up as a memorial. Yeah, of what God had done. We can learn from that too. Let us, um, let us remember the glories of our great God in his provision. Let me finish by saying this. Uh, we started out on Monday with lessons of the desert. Um, we went on Tuesday to the call of Moses. Every one of us around this circle that know Jesus Christ as Lord are, have been called to the work of God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We, like, we believe this, and rightfully so, according to New Testament doctrine. Um, on Wednesday, we talked about getting to know the Lord. Thursday, we talked about Satan's strategy and God's dominance. Friday, we talked about impossible situations. Being slaughtered or drowned was all that they could see their way out of. And then today, um, God's provision of manna from heaven. So I was told uh, by a board member that um, you're asked once to the conference, and I'm, I'm good with that. And um, yeah, so this is it for me, right? And uh, like, I'm going to close here in less than a minute, and, um, and this is it for me. And so I want to end um, this way. God has called every one of his children into radical New Testament, Holy Spirit-empowered service. I charge you in the presence of God, based on his word, to be strong and prove yourselves men of God. Those that know their God shall do valiantly. God help us. Father, we commit this to you. We love you. We trust you to work among us. We trust you to mold and shape a generation. Lord Jesus, uh, we've never met anybody that's more admirable than you. You will lead your people on. Um, Lord, you began a good work in every believer here. You will complete that work. Yeah, we love you. We trust you. We want to follow you. Glorify your great name, we pray. Help Micaeus now. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, amen.